The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4245 of The Bugle. This week's show is a composite, melting pot, amalgamatic, combinational best of hyperblend meldwodge of not one, not two, not four, certainly not zero, but three live shows from our Bugle 15th anniversary live Bugle live show. Uh, in Birmingham with Neil Delamere, Helen Zaltzman and via the magic of the internet, Alice Fraser. That was recorded on Thursday the 27th of October, plus our two shows in Glasgow on Sunday the 30th, both of which featured Nish Kumar live in glorious human 3D, and one each of which involved Alice from Australia and Nato Green joining in from San Francisco, as well, of course, as producer Chris and me, Andy Zaltzman. So strap in. Here is your unique three bugles power welded into one bugle. A section of the bugle is going... Yes, uh, a couple of sections in the bin this week. In fact, we have uh, in the bin a discredited conspiracy theories um, section in the bin. Have we got any conspiracy theories fans in? Yep. Um, Do you you believe they're... um, Because, I mean, I'm suspicious of conspiracy theories in general. Um... So I think there's a lot of them are really outlandish, aren't they? And I think I think there are there's a secret government government agency that pumps out implausible conspiracy theories <laughs> to discredit the ones that are actually onto something. Um, this goes right to the top. Uh, but uh, to keep you up to date with all the conspiracy theories that have been discredited, because obviously there's loads uh, loads going around in every walk of life now. Uh, discredited this week, um, uh, Neil Armstrong was a CIA agent who shot JFK and was sent to the moon to dispose of the evidence. (laughs) Turns out, not true. The Black Death in the 14th century was deliberately spread by the international costume sector to boost sales of plague masks. (laughs) Because Big Mask had been struggling since the heyday of ancient Greek theatre and needed to make itself profitable again. Uh, Discredited Hillary Clinton. Uh, She bought Willy Wonka's chocolate factory off Wonka and repurposed it to farm test-tube-grown human organs to sell illegally for transplant surgery to people who didn't even need transplants but were persuaded to have them by a website run by Michael Bloomberg and Taylor Swift. (laughs) That's still 50-50. We don't know if that is or isn't true. (laughs) The world is just a great big onion. Flatly untrue. That has now been completely... Disproved. Uh, uh, this conspiracy theory I read in the Daily Telegraph uh, last week. Britain has been run for the past 12 years by an unaccountable hard left cabal intent on destroying the very concept of Britishness and probably the planet whilst they're at it too under the convenient cover of there being a Conservative government in power. <laughs> Turns out that's bullshit as well, would you believe? And, um, and finally, Canadian pop music is mostly a front for hardline neoliberal economics. <laughs> Who do, you, do you agree with that? Would you agree with that? Well, well, let's find out. Um, name me a Canadian uh, pop star. Incorrect. Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, <laughs> so let's listen to a little snippet and see if, find out what, what, uh, what's it, so her f- most famous uh, bit of music. Hey, I just met you. What happens if you play it backwards, Chris? Okay. I am in favour of cutting taxes under any circumstances and for any excuse, for any reason, whenever it's possible. Underlying most arguments against the free market is a lack of belief in freedom itself. Oh, God. Bloody hell. There we go. Who'd have thought it? Driven by a love of Milton Friedman. Right. 
Chris, we need a sting. Uh, top story this week, well, uh, two weeks ago, our top story was Britain is f***ed. Um, one week ago, our top story was Britain is even more f***ing f***ed than we f***ing thought. And this week, it's Britain waits to see whether we're any less f***ed than we were a week ago, or just f***ed in a different way. Um, so, <laughs> what a time to be alive it has been, if you are a fan of watching democracy die before your eyes. We have a new Prime Minister since last time. Uh, the uh, Liz Truss fever dream, um, <laughs> brought about by some seriously unpasteurised cheese, is over. The former Prime Minister shuffled um, obliviously <laughs> into... Um, I'm quite extraordinary that she left insisting that she was right and that it was very much the electrical socket's fault, not her fault that we all got electrocuted when she rammed our national fingers into the electrical socket. <laughs> um, Helen, I know you're a huge Liz Truss fan. Andy, that's libel. Oh, Andy. yeah. Sorry, that's... Uh... Tell you what I'm a fan of, though, is all the swearing that has been on the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a glorious time for us swear fans. Yes. Because they have to report it. Oh. Well, what's been your particular highlight of the, uh, the, the, the sweary news bits? Particular highlight is all the swearing, Andy. Right. All the swearing. Right. I'll, you know, if we're going to have Tories, at least it's truthful to have swearing on the news. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, bringing Jeremy Hunt back is pretty much <laughs> carte blanche for people accidentally saying <laughs> <laughs> And now we have Rishi Sunak, uh, Nish, uh, and an, an historic moment. This is... Historic, the first billionaire prime minister. <laughs> now, as, as a member of the billionaire community, well, Nish, this yes. must have been a huge moment. We, we do talk about it at uh, private jet aficionado societies. Um, this is a huge time for the Asian community. <laughs> I have never been, I never thought in my life an Asian would be prime minister. I thought if there was an Asian that was going to be prime minister, he'd be sort of quite a nice bloke. No! Fight, and for too long, I as a brown have not been represented in politics. It's been succession of white after white after white. But now, finally, as an Asian, I too can dream of being the most important in the whole country. We did it, folks. Chris, you, you were supposed to bleep all that. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, amazingly, Rishi, you had Rishi, me on as a Rishi guest a on a week that we were talking about Rishi Sunak. I think you're going to need the bleep button. <laughs> Sorry, Nate, I go for it. Well, so, so Nish, I, I, I have to reveal, reveal my assumptions here, which is I tend to uh, understand Indian people as Jews, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a, a, friend, a friend asked me recently, if, uh, a friend asked me recently if Indians are the Jews of Asia, and I said, no, I don't think so. There's 15 million Jews and like a billion billion Indians. Yeah. It's more like Jews are the Indians of white people. Um, and uh, so my question is, with the rise of Rishi Sunak, as, uh, are your parents more disappointed with you, Nish? <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Because again, that's quite a high bar to clear, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> You're a very high bar to I'm sorry, I genuinely am still reeling from the phrase Jews are the Indians <laughs> of white people. <laughs> that was still another fantastic episode title that <laughs> Green is absolutely churning them out. <laughs> Jews are the Indians of white people. <laughs> Fucking hell. If I was ever to get a tattoo, it absolutely would be that. <laughs> Um, I yes, there is. <laughs> there's certainly, shall we say, some uh, comedic overlap uh, in the uh, expectations of Jewish parents and Indian parents. I think that that is that is safe to say. And you know, I don't think that this has helped because I, I'll be frank with you. And this for all the uh, non-Indians uh, in the room and all the non-Indians listening, uh, every Indian slacker, you know, knows Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Not the specific man but the exact same guy. Same haircut, same stupid little suit, same gormless grin, right? And uh, the thing is that I, I think Rishi Zodak is actually quite unpleasant and he's done some really not great things. You know, he's a uh, refusal to raise the levels of sick pay uh, during the pandemic, contributed, was I think a driver to why people were going into work ill. He also pioneered Eat Out to Help Out, which instead of getting the hospitality industry up and running by doing things like giving tax rebates to businesses that were doing takeaways, he encouraged people to go indoor. Like, he, it was a disease that spread itself by people being sat close to each other. And he was like, time to hit the hut. <laughs> we gotta hit the hut, baby! And, and so it, it, when, when, when that happened, I was like, this was a huge vindication for the Asian slacker community because we, we know Rishi Sunak and we f***ing hate people like Rishi Sunak. <laughs> And it turns out we were right to hate him because our arts degrees have never killed anyone. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he, he came in pledging to uh, govern with honesty, integri integrity, accountability, yeah. and, <laughs> and professionalism. It's a hot crowd. They're even laughing at these setups. Honesty, integrity, accountability, and professionalism. And within 30 seconds, he had reappointed Suella Braverman as <laughs> <Yeah>. Home Secretary. <laughs> this, was, this was reminiscent of that scene in, um, I don't know if you've seen the film Silence of the Muttons, the, <laughs> the, the sequel to Silence of the Lambs, when Hannibal Lecter goes out for dinner with Clarice Starling, promises he's gone fully vegan, takes one look at the menu, and orders a 32-year-old truck driver medium rare. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Braverman, lest, lest we forget, and this again is, was, I can't remember if this was, I've lost entire track of time, as well as hope, uh, <laughs> was kind of quit, stroke, was sacked, qu quacked as Home quacked. Secretary. Yeah, quacked, yeah, 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 yeah. She jumped while she was being pushed. For, uh, for <laughs> <laughs> it's a real piece of uh, employment-based jujitsu. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then within a week, of this was you know, for a fairly significant security breach. Yes, yes. She sent confidential secretary. documents yeah. uh, to uh, people who shouldn't have received them from yeah. her personal email account. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we've all done it, haven't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the problem is, the precedent was already set uh, because Priti Patel was the Home Secretary after she committed, I guess the phrase technically is mild treason. <laughs> Priti Patel, before she was Home Secretary, under Theresa May's leadership, uh, had a meeting with the Israeli government that she didn't declare to the United Kingdom, which is technically treason. And they put her in charge of law and order. Yes. So, in but, a way... But to be fair, in mitigation, she was on holiday. <laughs> and, you know... 
What, what goes on on holiday stays on holiday. <laughs> what have you done on holiday, Andrew, that you're not, that you're worried about coming out? <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's that's an entirely different show. Um, <laughs> Neil, as yep. a you know, as an external observer, yeah, uh, analyze the last. Mm. Two months of... I think looking at it from the outside, I think I speak for everyone in Ireland when I say... Liz Ross, what were you thinking? Um, uh, we're trying to figure out what, what Rishi Sunak is going to be like uh, on international matters because at previous hustings, he famously opened it in Belfast and he said, good evening, fellow Britons, which... He's, uh, he's obviously playing the orange card there and not the green card, which is weird because he recently had a green card until last year. Um, some people think Rishi's height matters. Some people are obsessed with it. Some people aren't. And Liz Truss thinks it's uh, further proof of the anti-growth coalition because he's... Uh, NATO, how has uh, how, how the reaction been in America to the, uh, the, the, the curious political upheavals we've had here? Well, so as, as usual, Andy, I, I, I'm trying to follow your situation with, uh, I would say, amusement um, and curiosity. Uh, so Rishi Sunak had a video put out um, that had, the, it seemed like a very high production value video, like made by Ridley Scott. Uh, lots of uh, snappy cuts and sound effects. Um, they couldn't be bothered to, like, spring for real music. So... They had to use child pornography music, I guess, as I understand it. Um, so, but in the video, uh, th there's a shot of Sudak saying, I will unite our country, not with words, but with actions. And the immediate next shot is of him dipping a biscotti into a coffee, which is technically an action, um, but not, I mean, and uniting, uh, obviously, like, I mean, dip, dipping a cracker into a coffee is delicious, and if he's got a mouthful of snacks, he's not shredding the safety net. <laughs> but I'm not sure, if, if I understand the UK correctly, I'm not sure the major problem that you have is insufficient unity. Uh, Liz Truss was the least popular prime minister ever. 80% of people thought that she was shit. And <laughs> that, is, that is the kind of unity we're looking for. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's almost a statistical impossibility to be that disliked as a politician. <laughs> it means that not just members of her own party hated, hated her, but also her friends and relatives. <laughs> um, that is like life goals level of unity. So um, my favorite thing that jumped out at me from the current travails in the UK is that 80% of people disliked Liz Truss, but uh, there's a new poll that 69% agree that the UK is headed in the wrong direction. So first of all, 69. Nice. Uh, nice. But also, I'm interested in that delta. 80% dislike Liz Truss. 69% think the UK is headed in the wrong direction. Who is the 11% that hated Liz Truss but think things are great? Like, what is that person's story? I want to know. Uh, also, we should clarify uh, that when NATO says it's child pornography music, I, I realise we blew past that quite quickly. <laughs> and if you have no awareness of that video or the news story that sprung up around it, I imagine that sounded quite alarming. <laughs> uh, the music sounded... 
Yeah, alarmingly, like alarmingly like a Gary Glitter song. Like it sounded more like a Gary Glitter song than is ideal. I mean, you would have thought, you know, if you're a, you know, a prime minister, you've come in and you're trying to, you know, set a, a good tone in your first week in power and there's already controversy over your appoint various appointments. You would have thought the first thing you'd do would be to not use music that's even slightly like Gary Glitter <laughs> yeah. in the video. I mean, one of that's <laughs> right out the top of your to-do list, isn't it? <laughs> Um, Isn't it a fantastic grift, though, to do a job for 44 days, of which I think two-thirds she didn't have to do anything, and then get £116,000 a year? She's a genius. <laughs> it's like all of these ministers, that, there were like five ministers who've been brought back uh, to the cabinet. It's uh, Michael Gobe, Dominic Raab, Steve oh, Barkley. No. Sorry? Yeah. Uh, Johnny Mercer, Grant Chaps, Steve Barkley. They all got their old jobs back, but because they'd been away for more than three weeks... They're entitled to £16,876 of ministerial redundancy. So are we sure that this whole thing hasn't been deliberate all along? I think the only saving grace is that Liz Truss was voted in by about 80,000 of the Tory party members and that after 49 days, the majority of them will not have lived to see her fail. <laughs> LAUGHTER I mean, she was so far out of her depth from day one that all the fish around her were weird. <laughs> Boris Johnson, God rest his soul, um, if, if it is ever located. Um, <laughs> Boris Johnson, was, I mean, it would be not so much like a dog returning to its vomit as an unstoppably chundering vomit cake dog made of sick, held together by a membrane of undigestive sausage skin returning to its own vomit. But... <laughs> but he chickened out of running to be party leader when it turned out that he was too far gone down the ethical bobsled run, even for the fucking Conservative Party. Now, that was some achievement. Uh, there, sh there should be also a new rule. The 1922 committee can't do this thing. Oh, well, she's going to be brought in and given the prover proverbial glass of whiskey and revolver. You've done it too often. You have to change that now. It has to be, uh, they have to, oh, they've handed her the poppers and the garrote. <laughs> They've given her the old heroin and the boa constrictor. They've brought her into a wood panelled room and give her the fentanyl and the well the fentanyl I suppose actually now that I think about it. The, the name Zawari was the worst one, because he was the Chancellor for two days. And he went, when I was Chancellor, I thought Boris Johnson did a very good job. When I was in college, my girlfriend, her, her, her period was late for 48 hours. I wasn't walking around going, speaking as a father. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's great uh, that Liz Truss is getting a pension. I would pay her personally to never work again. <laughs> it was safer that way. Yeah, because that's taxpayers' money. So let's essentially just consider it crowdfunding the disappearance of Liz Truss. I think that is possibly the best value public money that could possibly be spent, isn't it? I have a question, Andy. Okay. It's about Michael Gove, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, so he was sacked as levelling up secretary under Johnson. Yes. And now he's back as levelling up secretary. Yes. Does it count as levelling up if you went down between levels and then back up again? Oh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Does no, he, he forgot most... to hit the save point, so he has to start from the beginning of the level, but he doesn't have to go back a level. Oh, he didn't save, so uh, yeah. he started No, this entire lack of consistency in leaders, it's getting really annoying. So Liz Truss was a Liberal Democrat, then became a Tory. Uh, uh, Mary Lou MacDonald, who's going to be, who's the Sinn Féin leader, used to be in a party called Fianna Fáil. 
the DUP guy, Geoffrey Donaldson, used to be a member of the Ulster Unionist Party. The King of England was once the Prince of Wales. <laughs> and 60 odd years he was happy with that job, and suddenly he got a shot at the top job, boom, in there. Also, the current Pope was Rabbi of the Year in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was there, I was hosting the awards. Um, um, bad, bad Jew, bad Jew. There's also a story breaking today that Liz Truss's phone, uh, this was breaking so recently, it was like happening as we were on the train up here, but Liz Truss's phone may have been hacked by Russian agents. Michael Gove was asked this morning if it had happened, and he did not deny that it had happened, which basically means it, it probably fucking happened. Like, and at this point, like, is she the worst prime minister of all time? Like, she, I mean, let's not forget, she fucking killed the queen. Like, do you know, she iced the Queen, tanked the pound, and compromised state secret. Like, that is Hall of Fame. That was, she did that in 40 days. That is hyper-efficient. That is hyper-efficient. There's almost more f***ing up than not f***ing up. That the shortest life expectancy of any mammal <laughs> was some kind of, I can't remember what it was. It was, uh, it was, I think, 57 days. It was some kind of shrew. Yeah. That could have lived through the entire <laughs> Liz Truss run. Um, in some ways, it's it's almost it's almost heroic. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did. She also like what else did she get up? Did she block the toilet in number ten as well? Like, I mean, I, it, it's it, it is an impressive level of fucking shit up to have got that much wrong in that short a period of time. Well, it's certainly set a bar uh, that future Tory Prime Ministers will no doubt strive to exceed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sunak came in pledging to govern with honesty, integrity and fairness and promptly brought back a load of ministers who'd been sacked for lack of his in honesty, integrity, fairness or basic competence. Um, uh, in, in particular, Suella Braverman, um, who, who was... Um, who almost seems to be warning against herself there, saying, no, I know who I am. Do not let me happen. Um, <laughs> she quit, stroke was sacked, quacked, uh, I believe is the term. Um, Sicked. A, a, a week ago for a security, uh, for a security uh, breach. She dreams of catapulting the desperate to Rwanda, which is a fucking weird dream to have, isn't it? It's very strange. I think we should be worried that her personal email address is the Kremlin is brill at Soviet.net. I think. <laughs> Have we decided it's definitely Braverman? Is it? Because uh, I would suggest that, because like, it's a married name, I think it should be Braverman. Right. As, if, as in you go up to the groom and go, you're a braver man than me marrying that little <laughs> <thing."> <laughs> uh, Do we have any teachers in? Yeah. Hands up if you're a teacher. You see how you look it. What, what, what do you teach? Special needs? Good luck with that. <laughs> Often you'll see comedians ask people in the audience what they do for a living and then mercilessly lampoon it from the superior moral and ethical standpoint of talking shit into a microphone for a living, but it's clearly very important work that you do. It's socially and probably financially undervalued. I uh, wish you all the best. <laughs> I mean, it lacks... <laughs> it lacks the traditional zing-zang of 
regular banter, doesn't it? Thanks for bringing the mood down, you do-gooding piece of shit. Now... <laughs> um... Our mum used to teach special needs as well, and that's what he used to say to her. <laughs> Do, do you mind if I ask, why, why, why did you go into teaching? Do you want to help people and make a difference? So, well, okay, well, let me tell you what Michael Gove said when he was Education Secretary. Uh, no, that was... <laughs> I want his actual words, not the subtext, all right, okay? <laughs> what he actually said, not what he meant. He said these words. He said, I want an education system that is more uh, demanding, fulfilling and stretching. Is that all right? I think that's okay. So we can give our young people the broad, deep, and balanced education. That's still okay. I think it's all right. Which will equip them to win in the global race. <laughs> now, is that not the most sinister thing you've ever heard a British politician say? I can't believe he managed to say it without stroking a white cat at the same time. Um, Quite but, 1930s vibes. Yes. Uh, Oliver Dowden is back as well in cabinet. Uh, Oliver Dowden. Uh, Formerly Culture Secretary, then Minister Without Portfolio, which I think means incompetent, but still enough of a prick to go and uh, do what he's told in public. Um, a little I while think ago... the official status is, what is this guy good for? <laughs> um, uh, was, I think it was Minister for War, wasn't it? What is that good for? He gave a speech to an American uh, think tank um, earlier this year, just as the Ukraine war started. And he points out that he said he thought the West was being weakened um, and has left us in a poor position to deal with the threats of Putin. Now, I'm going to do this as a multiple choice question for you people of Birmingham. Can you tell me, what did Oliver Dowden, then Cabinet Minister, now once again Cabinet Minister of the United Kingdom, say had been weakening the West? Okay, so I think, listen to these, these options very carefully. Was it A, leadership that has repeatedly undermined and desecrated our, our national democratic heritage and institutions? Was it B, a cult of economic individualism that has stripped the sense of collective good from our society and our politics? Was it C, a short-sighted energy policy that has left us absurdly dependent on the prattish whims of a strop-addicted despot? Was it D, the underfunding of public services and the widening chasm between rich and poor? Or was it E, some people wanting to use different pronouns? Like A, B, C, D, or E. What do you think of that? It was E. It was E. Right, I think it's time to move on to world news now. Well, the exciting news is the rest of the world still exists. A uh, bit of a surprise to us here in Britain, uh, the, the news that we've been watching over the last few weeks, the eternal fight between darkness and a slightly different uh, shade of darkness that uh, our current politics is. But uh, in the rest of the world, not everything is either hunky or dory, let alone both at the same time. But excitingly this week, there has been a hugely important story in that the Pope has claimed that even nuns watch pornography. Now, um, um, uh, family show, indeed. Um, well, I personally... I mean, to be fair, it was because he asked them if they watched pornography and they said none. Boom, there we go. Has the Pope looked at porn? Otherwise, how does he know it's He searched so his name. Have you seen his... Have you not seen his ceiling? Well, it's just... 
I've only seen the moderate safe surf version of the Got any Sistine Chapel fans in? Dirty. Look at the way his finger almost touches the other finger. Oh. Also, the dome that, that's is the why sexiest Jews form of architecture. Sorry, sorry, Alice. The dome is the sexiest form of architecture. Right. Looks like a boob. More places to bang on it, and uh, it's spelled doomy. <laughs> Apparently, in, in the. In, transcript of his speech in Vatican City uh, Pope Francis said about pornography, uh, the devil enters from there uh, which, he's either describing pornography or he's describing pornography if you know what I mean But also God is supposed to be everywhere so if anyone is pawning around it's God, surely I don't don't think this is surprising I I think um, Pope Hub is probably the biggest site in the Vatican and uh, I'd say the nuns... Pope Hub, did you Pope say? Pope yeah. yeah. I, I think nuns are probably... I was trying to figure out what nuns would like in terms of, you know, the categories. And then I thought, what is the most forbidden thing to a nun? And I think it's probably just um, having a say in running of the church. <laughs> so, so I'd say it's just a lot of them watching videos of women making decisions. <laughs> Ding dong. I'm here to clean your pool of holy water. <laughs> Look at her. Look at her changing the liturgical reading and not asking anybody. Oh. The, the Pope also said it weakens the priestly heart. That was the phrase he used. I would suggest if you do a moderate intensity three or four times a week, it very much strengthens the priestly heart. I don't think this is the worst thing people involved in the Catholic Church are doing right now. Would you say that that is the priority? Is this the is watching pornography the worst behaviour? I seem to remember the film Spotlight wasn't about nuns watching f***ing porn on the tube. It's I mean it's pretty spicy. It's pretty spicy stuff. Maybe they should watch porn, and that might get some of their urges out in a help. Listen, I say things that people are too afraid to say, and I am saying force nuns and priests in the Catholic Church to watch pornography so they don't fiddle kids. Okay? So I think the subtext of that, Nish, is that you are a Rangers fan. (laughs) Uh, Is that right? Have I read that right? Because I'm... um, I'm I'm Jewish, so I'm Partick Thistle. Is that right? Is that how it works? Always forget up here. I mean, to be fair, it's not the nuns' fault. They were just Googling um, early 2000s pictures of themselves, uh, naughty's nuns. And, you know, one keyboard stroke off and you're you're in a deep well. (laughs) Uh, Right, on the subject, uh, well, a slightly related subject, I guess, Halloween news now. Um, and Quebec, the uh, Canadian uh, state. That's actually what a nun says when she walks in on a porn scene. Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) again I'm really going to need you to raise your bar for bad puns bear in mind this is our second show of the day I know how this ends I mean Greek Greek tragedies people knew how they ended and they still loved them they were still still high quality works of art Nish Um, are you comparing one of your pun runs to a Greek tragedy yeah I guess so I mean uh, you know the classic elements of 
inevitability and hubris. Um, <laughs> you are yeah, the Aristotle of wordplay. <laughs> Sorry, um, Alice. They get their comeuppance. Actually, getting your cup up, comeuppance is also a porn search on uh, Red <laughs> Family show, Alice. Family show. Um, Someone's come up and seeing her. Am I right? <laughs> um, in Quebec, uh, people have been asked not to dress as sexy nurses for Halloween. Um, now, I, I don't know if you're big Halloween fans. I, I quite enjoy I like to uh, harness the occult uh, at Halloween. I like to uh, commune with the dead. In fact, I had a seance um, uh, just last week uh, in which, uh, with my spirit medium, we managed to communicate with the influential late German writer Gunter Grass. Uh, and we thought it might be really interesting to talk to him about the state of modern literature and all that. But he just banged on about the importance of hitting our net zero targets and outlined sustainable plans for a low-carbon economy. But then again, as they say, grass is always greener on the other side. So, um, but of course, I mean, the origin of the sexy nurse outfit goes back to the very first Halloween. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Christian festival, like, like most of our festivals these days. Uh, the first Halloween... Uh, 31st of October, 17 AD, when a teenage Jesus turned his mate Ian's head into a pumpkin <laughs> and then told the parable of the sexy nurse. That's a fact. You are as bad a Christian <laughs> as you are a Jew. Oh, I will take that as a compliment. Um, there was, um, um, I mean, I'm I, a Hindu. Genuinely, so apparently in World War II, the nurses used to have a cold spoon with them, or just a spoon, um, and, and uh, they'd be treating these young men who'd just come back from war and were variously injured, um, and uh, as inevitably they'd be, be giving them a sponge bath and there'd be a boner would appear, they'd give them a touch of the cold spoon uh, to deflate the boner. But unfortunately, what that led to was a rash of spoon fetishists. Uh, there's so much bullshit on this podcast that I don't know if that's real or not. That's 90% real. That's 90% real, that anecdote. Look it up. Educate yourself. Okay. Look... Can you please all f focus on the gig? Do not look up no, spoon yeah. fetishes. <laughs> what, also, what are we supposed to do? Spoon to the dick? Like, I don't know what the search terms are. Dick Spoon World <laughs> War II. <laughs> didn't, didn't John Oliver play Dick Spoon in a film? <laughs> <laughs> Since we're talking about how the rest of the world is f***ed, yep. uh, I would like a word, please. Okay, all right. Here we go. Okay, no, uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, and Mr. Let me Nato speak Green. to you one-on-one, -on -one, me, Nato Green here in San Francisco, to you, in-studio audience in Glasgow, the United Kingdom. Uh, you all think you're f***ed. Get over yourselves. <laughs> uh, I live in San Francisco in a tech-fueled dystopian hell zone at any given time. We have 8,000 people living on the streets and over 600 people die per year from overdoses. Are we solving those problems? Not at all. But we can offer you a $75 fine dining restaurant for dogs. Uh, it's called Dog. Uh, as spelled D-O-G-U-E, there's a dish that includes wild antelope part. Uh, UK, you think you're You don't even know about bro. <laughs> This week was the spouse of the leader of your center-left party attacked with a hammer by a nudist obsessed with conspiracy theories coming from a pillow company? No? That's what happened to Paul Pelosi's, uh, to Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. So, uh, shut the f*** up about that. Uh, you think you've got it bad, UK? 
you don't even know. In Brazil, there's a runoff right now between Jair Bolsonaro and Lula da Silva. Did your far-right leader incite political violence, let hundreds of thousands of people die, cause environmental destruction, and then have to be hospitalized because he was loaded up with a kilo of feces? No? Uh, did that same far-right leader have a friend named Roberto Jefferson who was under house arrest but kept breaking the law while under house arrest that the police came to re-arrest him and then he threw grenades at them? Uh, no. Then what are you whining about? By the way, Bolsonaro's in trouble uh, for facing some political backlash for going on a podcast and saying that Venezuelan refugee girls were sex workers. Hashtag sex workers work. Live doing Girls Unite. Uh, he said he was riding his motorbike and stopped his motorbike uh, on a corner, quote, took off my helmet, looked at some pretty girls, 14 to 15 years old. Uh, then he found 15 to 20 more Venezuelan girls getting ready on a Saturday, what for, to make a living. He later apologized and said they weren't sex workers. He was just joyriding through slums on a motorbike, objectifying teenagers. Uh, and that's, that's his winning argument. Uh, Sounds like somebody's going to be making a video with a Gary Glitter song soon. <laughs> UK, you think you're a uh, you're, oh, you th Your country's overrun with racist heads who want to stop immigration, even though that thing that, 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 that immigration is the thing that props up your broken economy. Have you heard of Israel? Uh, <laughs> they have elections coming up. And, oh, yeah, Suella Braverman wants to keep Muslims out of the country and people are offended. In Israel, they want to keep their Muslims there and ruin their lives forever. Uh, so uh, we thought Netanyahu was the right-wing candidate. But the thing about Israel is someone is always further to the right. And this year, his name is Itamar Ben-Gvir of the religious Zionists. And I say this as a Jew. Oh, great. Religious Zionists. Two shit tastes that taste more shit together. Uh, <laughs> In a moment of refreshing honesty in politics, in an article about Ben Gvir, Natan, 21, a Yiddish student, said, some of what he said is obviously bullshit. Uh, and I think we can all agree. So all I'm trying to say is sometimes comedy involves exaggeration, but not now. <laughs> um. Um. I mean, so the Brazilian election is t today, isn't it? The, the runoff is, is today. Yeah. Bolsonaro. A man whose blood type is COVID-19. <laughs> that man's got COVID in his f***ing teeth. I don't, like... He's got COVID in places I didn't think it was possible to get COVID. He's got COVID all up his arsehole. Like, it's unbelievable. The guy has so much COVID. <laughs> Um, and he's up against uh, former President Lula da Silva, who spent a bit of time since he was last president in jail yes, yeah. on uh, dubious charges. And now, uh, no, I'm, no doubt Lula has his flaws, but next to Bolsonaro, he looks like a cross between Jesus Christ, Roger Federer playing a perfect backhand and a ripe mango. So, <laughs> um, um, the, I was reading an article today saying that the, the future of the Amazon rainforest and indeed the entire planet could depend on today's election yeah. in Brazil. Um, I mean, uh, who, therefore, I mean, are you a, are you a rainforest fan? Do you, do you like I, the idea I, of having I'd a... Say, I'd say I'm pro-rainforest. Right. I'd say... Do you, not think it's, do you not think it's had its chance? Maybe. <laughs> I've had to think about it, and I've thought, you know what, I might be pro-rainforest. But then, Andy, some teenagers threw potatoes at a painting that was covered by glass that wasn't damaged at all, and now I say, f*** the environment. <laughs> 
If you can, th if you can not damage artwork, then that is a disgrace, and I am in favour of fossil fuels now. <laughs> that, that was uh, some satire there. Yes. <laughs> to uh, sections of the press's reaction to uh, a very interesting and uh, successful protest action. Um, <laughs> yes, well, this is yeah, China boss, uh, 11. Xi Jinping is um, <laughs> tightening his grip on supreme power in the now traditional cosplay communist uh, way. Like his very near namesake, Jesus Christ, Xi Jinping <laughs> doesn't seem that keen on letting any of his disciples get the headlines ahead of him. Yeah, and he has a similar capacity for miracles when you think about it. Um, and Jesus could turn things into other things, couldn't he? Water uh, into, uh, into wine. Um, Guilty into innocent in many people's eyes. Um, uh, Xi Jinping can turn an artist into a prisoner. Um, he can turn ethnic cleansing into a harmless public education project just by pretending it's not ethnic cleansing. Uh, so, I mean, he's got a different vibe to Jesus and his uh, everyone get hammered shtick. Um, but uh, the world is essentially, I think, quietly shitting itself about Xi Jinping and his power grab and the potential invasion of, uh, of, of Taiwan. I have a feeling, if you're listening to this on a Huawei phone, it'll be about 25 minutes shorter. <laughs> than if you're listening on any other phone. His, his ascent to power is remarkable because, did you read about his dad? His dad was in the Communist Party and uh, he was ostracized from the bosom of the Communist Party, sent hundreds of miles away to manage a tractor uh, factory. And that was when a politician looking at tractors was a punishment and not the aphrodisiac that certain Tory MPs have turned it into. And then he fought his way back to power through various machinations. But uh, people are scared about Taiwan, but I read a, a foreign policy expert say that maybe they won't go into Taiwan, they'll go into Far East Russia. Yes. This is the thing, because um, I wrote it down. Uh, he, they said that uh, so the West doesn't care, uh, but, it, but that really, um, the Russian army won't be able to resist at that point, and the population density is two people per square kilometre. So there's, there's nobody basically there. The next person is so far away. Like, if you're in a neighbourhood watch, you have to have an eagle. That's the only way it works. <laughs> and then if you get, then there'll be Arctic China, then you get polar China, and if you have polar China, communist Santa. And nobody wants communist Santa. <laughs> But if you, in, if you invade somewhere and no one's there to see it, mm. have you conquered it? <laughs> uh, Alice, I mean, Australia obviously is very well prepared for uh, the, the rising threat of China by ordering some submarines that might be ready in 25 years. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're safe there. I mean, is this, is this, is this, this power grab been big news in Australia? Andy, it is not worrying us at all. We have a very sound military strategy. Uh, our military strategy, if we are ever invaded by our uh, big neighbour upstairs, is uh, wait until the Americans arrive. That's our plan. Um, that's our good well. plan. Yeah, Xi Jinping is purging dissidents like a teenage girl who's worried that this differing opinion makes her ass look big. Uh, some are now questioning whether there's anyone left in the party who could stop him making a rash move. Uh, a rash move like destroying all his enemies, for example. And uh, Professor Steve Sang, the director of the SOAS China Institute, said, the risk of one man making a bad judgment and starting a war is always greater than a group of them doing so, which proves that he's never met a man. Uh, Andy, I don't know if you know about <laughs> men, but they are desperately irrational and hormonal and cannot be trusted. Every bad decision in history was made by boners and spite. 
that, I like that, to, that was I like actually to, the name of If John people don't think men are hormonal, go wait outside a pub on a Saturday night for two men to come out and have a fight about something that neither of them cares about. <laughs> uh, no one ever gets three punches into that fight and is like, hmm, good point, my good man. <laughs> Rationally made. Uh, I like to go to men having fights uh, in the street and go, bit hormonal, are we? A little bit testerical. <laughs> See, um, Boners and Spite was the name of John Oliver and my double act when we started out. So got, um... It was unusual that Boners and Spite referred to you twice, though, wasn't it? <laughs> there you go. I do hope you enjoyed it. Our next show will feature our final 15th anniversary tour show in Dublin on the 3rd of November. For more from our guests on this week's Tribugle, find Helen on her wonderful illusionist podcast. Alice you can find within the Bugle Stable on the Gargle and in various forms outside the Bugle Stable too. NATO Green's website is natogreen.com and Neil has a podcast called Why Would You Tell Me That? in which he and Dave Moore talk to the most interesting experts about the most interesting things such as the fact that bats don't get old or General Franco might have rigged Eurovision, apparently. Uh, that's available wherever you get your podcasts and niches just generally floating around the internet. Also, don't forget my Satirist for Hire bonus extra tour dates, 13th to the 18th of November in Leeds, Bath, Brighton, Tunbridge Wells, Cardiff and Worcester. Details on my not-very-good website, andysaltzman.co.uk. Until next week, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.